it's Laura Broderick, host of Mother of All Solutions. Um, change the regular format. We're not interviewing one person, one parent, one mother today. We are at a big event. We are at Women of the World Festival at the Southbank Centre in London. Um, wow, as some people might refer to it. It's 10 years of wow um, and we're really excited to be part of it today. We're going to be attending some of the sessions, listening, learning and then afterwards speaking to some of the panellists and also some of the audience members to get their take on some of the issues that women are facing today globally and here in London and also specifically to try and tease out some some nuggets and pearls of wisdom around women in work and navigating returns to work because obviously that's what we as Mother of All Solutions are focusing on and what we care about and what we're trying to do more on. Um, there's a particular event this afternoon, Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't, um, that we're really excited to be part of and we're going to be talking to some of the speakers afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's a great opportunity to meet lots of fantastic people all gathered in one fantastic space to celebrate and also to campaign for, for women's issues today. Thank you for speaking with us. So I'm Laura, Mother of All Solutions host. This is our first time at Women of the World, whereas oh. you said this is your fifth. Fifth year, yeah, yeah. incoming. It's great. I just love the energy. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I know. Well, just for the benefit of the listeners, I um, mentioned before, but we're at the South Bank Centre. Um, it's the 10th year of the Women of the World Festival. Is this your first time coming with a child, though? It is, yes. Uh, yeah, I've come before with friends yeah. and seen people with babies and always hoped one day, if I had a child, that I would have the confidence to bring them along. And yeah. I did. And here you are with your baby, yeah. who you said is 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old, yeah. Yeah. So you're currently on maternity leave then, Anna? I am, yes. Okay. Because just to tell you a bit more, podcast listeners know it's about stories from mums and some dads as well about navigating a return to work um, following maternity leave. So were you happy to say a little bit about what you do yeah. and your maternity process and where you're at with things? Yeah. Uh, so I am a creative in the advertising industry. Um, so I think the hardest part for me of going on maternity leave was the fact that I work in a partnership with another um, woman. Okay. So we work in a team. So it was navigating that was quite interesting because obviously I've I've been working for with her for ten years. Okay. So having to find a replacement who will work and do my job with her was tough, but luckily we found someone. Um, so you're but, in a job share officially, or is it more of an informal arrangement? Is it just no? Me? It's um it's quite. Most advertising creatives work in pairs. Okay. It's like one sort of more words, one's more pictures. Okay. Yeah, you've got your different talents that you bring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you do all your projects together and you get hired together so you move on to the next job together. Okay. So yeah, we've been doing it for yeah about 10 years. Are you the words or the pictures person? Uh, a bit of both, but more <laughs> words. Okay. <laughs> and so you found someone else to work now with yeah, your... Yeah, luckily a lady teammate. we used to work with who um, had previously gone on maternity returned uh, freelance. Okay. So we we were thinking now maybe we'll do a little threesome so yeah who knows this <laughs> is a whole I go new back, world yeah yeah, yeah. so um, you were thinking about planning for that while you were pregnant before you took your maternity yeah leave. so yeah. I spoke with my creative partner about you know obviously think 
trying to have a baby and then what that would mean for both of us. Um, but then a big part of my maternity is doing shared parental leave. Oh, great. Um, so everyone at work was always like, oh, well, you know, what's it going to be like having a year off? But yeah. I'm actually only taking about seven months in okay. the end. That's still a nice chunk of time, yeah. though, yeah? And then it's still good enough. And then my husband is going um, to do three months. Okay. And have you known other people who've done shared parental leave? Because we've, we've got one episode actually oh, right. on shared parental leave, so I can link yeah, it no, to you later on. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually don't know anyone that's done it. Ah. Uh, so I know there's a guy at my work who took uh, some time off but okay. out of like friends and stuff I don't know anyone that's done it. Okay and I wonder within your industry because we've only got 10 episodes today Anna so we're quite right. small okay. but we're trying to grow. <laughs> um, we've talked to obviously people from different professions but I don't think we've ever talked from anyone from advertising right. so I wonder is it like do you have a perception within your area of work and your field of expertise whether it's going to become more of the norm that people do adopt it and take it up or I would hope so okay. my company is in the process of redoing their whole maternity paternity shared parental leave um, and making it better so they're writing new policies at the moment yeah. okay um, it's not terrible but it could be a lot better yeah. and especially the shared parental leave luckily my husband's shared parental leave is absolutely amazing yeah um, which makes it viable yeah exactly when the other partner doesn't have that then yeah. it is a much harder decision yeah we were going to do it anyway but then when we found out his was so good it was like well it's an absolute no-brainer mm. um and then i looked at, and i thought out of interest i'll look at mine and they mm. just do um they only offer statutory pay okay. for it which you know it's better than nothing but it's still we could do better yeah and I think that's one of the problems with stopping guys from mm. actually taking it up because if a woman can get more and you know in, in London you need to have as much money coming in as possible true so. yeah yeah so there's obviously going to be a lot of companies organizations having to rethink policies and rewrite and get yeah. a better situation for their employees and um, so it'd be interesting maybe it'd be nice to exchange contact details yeah. but maybe in like six months time when your partner's then yeah, in the lead and yeah. we take and we can see where you're at with it Definitely, then yeah. yeah okay and what are you looking forward to in your next phase of parenting and maternity leave what have you, have you got anything planned more festivals more um, I don't <laughs> think so actually we're potentially going to do some renovation work on our house which I can't work out is stupid or very clever but uh. well do you know interestingly our shared parental leave episode also had that plan oh, as right. well it must be like this thing right when, when we're, we're both off let's do that let's yeah. fix the house up I think we have got a crossover of I think about two and a half weeks so mm. I think that'll be a really nice time for all of us to spend some time together yes yeah, it's not enough at the beginning, two weeks. No, no, no. With the three of you and a new person. It's crazy, right? I know. Yeah. But, yeah, I do hope that more men take it up. And yeah. I can see the more guys I know talk about it now, and I think the fact that it has to be offered is really interesting, and mm. guys starting to be like, oh, okay, I didn't know this was a thing, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'd be definitely interested at being at home. So. Yeah. You know, giving them the yeah. choice. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Anna. Nice. Thank you very much for taking time out of special time with your family and your friends and the festival. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. All right, thank you, Anna. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Cara. Okay, hi, Mother of All Solutions out on the South Bank now. We've just been in the Women's Parliament session and I have now two lovely ladies to come and talk to us about their experience of work and motherhood and decisions they've made. Um, you've introduced yourselves briefly, but maybe you could say a little bit about your roles and what you do in your work and tell us a little bit about your family setups as well and then I'll ask you a few questions. 
Rachel. <laughs> Go on, Rachel. Okay, so I, um, I'm an officer in the Royal Navy. Fantastic. Um, I've been in for 19 years now. I have a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. Um, so I've navigated maternity leave twice mm. and returning to work twice. Mm. Um, Different experiences between those two maternity leaves or quite a similar trajectory? Similar. We're actually okay. very lucky that we're, we're privy to a, a particularly good maternity package okay. in the military. However... Across all forces, this is, yeah. Yes, I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, but both times it was quite late in the day before I knew what role I'd be going back to, mm. um, which had an impact on what childcare provision we um, chose. Um, not so much the second time, because my daughter was still in nursery when my son went back, but linked mm. up with... Um, husband being deployed the first time round, so okay. navigating full-time maternity leave into full-time work yeah. on my own Wow. Yeah. Um, was interesting but yeah. you, you just got on with it But yeah. and then second time the job I was supposed to go back to got civilianised with about two weeks notice so I didn't actually have anything to go back to so it was a bit of hanging around before I got my final role. And can they keep how does it work, do they keep your job open even though the same job's not there they have to offer you an alternative or how does it? It's it's so linked up with the transitory nature of working in the military anyway that generally speaking probably when you go on maternity leave that would be that would you be um that's you leaving the role that you were in and you would look to go into something else when you went back but that depends on how much maternity leave you've decided to take i don't actually know anyone who's gone back to the same job particularly so you have to expect that you have to prepare for quite big yes of changes, course but we're kind of yeah. used to that anyway okay. because of it's what the, we do but yeah. it was still I didn't mind what it was, I just needed to know so I could sort out all the other bits and bobs. Yeah, get all the arrangements. So, childcare yeah. and everything else. And what about you, Cara? What's your experience? You're in the Navy Yeah, now, I'm right? in the Navy too. Mm. Um, I've been in for 20 years. Um, and I, I had put motherhood off because I wanted... The military, there are certain hoops you have to jump through in order to be promoted to get somewhere in your career. Mm. And so I put it off until I'd been to sea and then I deployed and, and actually thought, oh, I'm getting a bit old now. Um, and... So you then get to the point in the career where you think, I've, I've got to do it, and the pressure's on. Yeah. Um, so I've got one daughter, she's yeah. three, um, and I think I thought I approached it a bit like being in the military. Right, I'm going to find a childcare provider, I'm yeah, go back to yeah. work, it's all going to be military precision planned. But I had found somewhere for her to go, and then suddenly really, having had my daughter, really changed my mind about the kind of place I wanted her to go, yeah. and so was then at the last bit looking around for somewhere new. And yeah. And I've since changed jobs. They've sent me from one location to a different location. So I've mm. had to find a new childcare provider. And so that takes time to settle as well as find yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, it's been quite, it has had its moments of being quite hard work. Mm. But um, yeah, that's my experience. Yeah, but it's it's working okay now. It's getting feels... there. We're in month two. Mm. We're not having the, mommy, I don't want to go <laughs> any more mornings. So that's yeah. progress, I think. Great. Yeah. And just in terms of all three of us, we don't know each other, but we've been yeah. in the same session here at Women of the World. We've just been in the Women's Parliament session. Was there anything that particularly resonated with you from what the speakers were saying around supporting women? Or were you just more generally interested in politics and how women could be better engaged in that? So we've just had our Naval Service Women's Network conference two days ago, kind of to tie in with International Women's Day. And um, the kind of head of our Navy stood up and was talking about how we... Um, the Navy has historically been a bit of a kind of 
boys club that they've invited women to and yeah. actually we need to knock down the boys club okay. and build a club that's for everyone yeah. and that I think really resonated with a lot yeah. of what they were saying in there yeah. about parliament yeah. being a boys club that women they've opened the doors and said women you can come in uh -huh. aren't, aren't you grateful nice that you're allowed in <laughs> yeah. um, whereas actually kind of physically and metaphorically they kind of need to knock it down mm. and build a parliament that's for everyone mm. and a navy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think for me, it's more the aspect that this shouldn't be divided into a, a, a male-female thing. You know, yeah. men are parents as well as women. Yeah. Uh, you know, men and men might be parents. Women and women might be parents. You know, it's it's, and it's not even just about parental stuff. But mm. but the the um, what I found particularly interesting actually was the, the lack of what well, they, they were just saying at the end there about the lack of kind of HR provision and any kind yeah. of independent scrutiny and, yeah, yeah scrutiny yeah. Of, of, mm. of what goes on and yeah. um, but also you, you know it just sort of echoes through so many mm. businesses that the, the the hours that just don't suit anyone mm. who has any kind of caring um, responsibility yeah. um, having to do things at times where you're not going to be at your best you know we, we've all done that as well yeah working in sure establishments on ships where you knew it'd be late at night and you think this is not my best me yeah, yeah. so you could really relate to the position yeah, these political women and mothers are in yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely great well I'm lovely to meet you both yeah. and you thank you thank you for taking the time You're to welcome. come and speak with us have and a great day keep in touch yeah. <laughs> all right take care Bye. Have a listen now. Thank you very much. Excellent. In the Royal Festival Hall, I'm talking with Bridget. Um, Bridget and I met after the Women in Parliament, Women in Parliament. session. Yep. And Bridget's kindly offered, she's got baby Molly in the sling with her, to talk to us. So Bridget, just tell us a little bit about your current situation, then I'll ask you some questions. So introduce yourself. What's, what's your role? You're on maternity leave, I'm assuming? I am on maternity leave. Um, I, well, I'm on shared parental leave, Brilliant. let's call it. Um, I uh, work in a charitable foundation um, and uh, yeah I have uh, Molly came in December um, so I've been sort of on uh, leave since then but um, wonderfully able to pick up certain meetings and uh, and things as and when I've wanted to and is that going back into the office or are going you doing back into the Skype office but also but also in in actual meetings um, and steering groups when uh, when I've checked that it's okay for me to bring Molly okay um, and I'm lucky enough to work in a sector um, I think the civil society obviously has lots of problems but one of the brilliant things is that it's a very open and inclusive sector and they've been wonderful about just letting me turn up with a baby and was that something you discussed in advance of you taking no, no it was I always knew that I was probably not going to be very good at stepping away from work altogether because okay. I really love my job I really love the people I work with um, so I sort of kept it flexible mm. um, and I was quite uh I think it was right that I took the time to think, actually, uh, maybe I do want to step away. Who knows what it's going to be like when they arrive, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but I ended up uh, wanting that contact, actually. Yeah. After a few weeks, I really missed work, work yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got, got back in touch very selectively. I'm not, I'm definitely on maternity leave. So have you got someone doing maternity cover no. in your role? Okay, so that means no. that... You but colleague, brilliant colleagues that okay. have, you know, taken over, mm. yeah, bits and of my you're doing it as keeping in touch days? I think most people... I'm doing it as um, keeping in touch days, mm. but um, with shared parental leave, as you know, you get 
and you get a, at the discretion of your employer, enhanced split days, shared I parental. I didn't know this. You see, this is where we're learning about things. We have yeah. got one shared parental leave episode, and I'm sure John and Larry won't mind me saying this, but they were not really sure exactly how it was going to work they just knew they wanted to do it yeah so they didn't necessarily grill down into, into the, the detail well yet. I think uh it's fair to say that I like probably the first or at least the one of the first to do it mm. where I work and so it has been a bit of a learning experience but mm. um essentially there are more more kit days okay. at your disposal not uh, I don't think I'm not I'm not an expert in this but I don't think it's a legal um, requirement of your employer but if your employer lets you you can, you can yeah. do more which is basically allows your pet your partner and you to um, navigate that change mm. a little more flexibly so you're not doing Sounds like Friday 5 p.m one of you stops Monday 9 a.m the other one starts it's yeah. like you can do a bit more um, okay maybe a couple of days this week you can take uh, and I'll do work and yeah so but it requires obviously a good um synergy between you and your partner with your diaries it and, does yeah it yeah, does. yeah and like shared parental leave as a whole it takes both of you being able to do it yeah. and I have so many friends who would have loved to do shared parental leave mm. on both sides and one or other of them yeah. is self-employed or their company doesn't you know it support it or match and it doesn't match and yeah and that is yeah. problematic so yeah we've been really fortunate in that. Well, I, and on that note I'm going to be interviewing my brother and sister-in-law next week okay they've got a 10 month old and Hannah's just gone back to it they She'd wanted to do shared parental leave, but she'd not been in the hospital where she works long enough for it to yep, kick in. Yep, okay. And she was actually, I mean, I'll talk, obviously this is me jumping ahead to another conversation, but then she was like, well, who does that benefit? Because it doesn't benefit us. No. They're not getting me back as quickly yep. as they could have yep. had me back. Yep. And so, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to think how it will change. Where do you see it going then? You're obviously very like, up to speed with it and I don't, bought into oh, it. I don't know. I think, I, I hope... It goes in the direction of people being able to do what they damn well like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a sense, um, shared parental leave is not going to be for everyone for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you do want to do shared parental leave, it really does feel like it's one of those no-brainers that it's in yeah. everybody's interest to try and support it. So yeah, yeah. I would hope that that continues. I think it does require uh, more men taking it. Yeah. Um, and particularly more men in particular jobs and positions asking mm. for it and taking it okay. um, so that it becomes more of the norm but mm. um, but yeah I really hope I really hope that happens because I you know the friends that I've seen do it it's had a massive effect for the for the child and for both parents uh, yeah and I think it will be it hasn't fully um, come to fruition but like seeing how the kids now, grow up with that parent yeah. just having more unequal stake Total in the decisions yeah. and absolutely yeah. and transformative relationships with yeah, with yeah. with the father figure that's actually you know yeah. genuinely an equal yeah. parent like yeah. how can you expect them to be if they're not there for so much of that early yeah. period yeah um, well, even my partner and I we were had a childcare conundrum yesterday that's worked out in the end but I was like well I'm sorting this out it's like but you've had the time to develop these networks locally that I haven't yeah. and I was like that is just facts. Yeah. I've had more time at home and locally, rightly yeah. or wrongly, just that's yeah. the way it has been for us. Yeah. So you get some of those extra benefits that he's absolutely not yeah. got access to. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would mm. sort of help the whole parenting industry, I think, to become mm. a bit more equal. So, mm. you know, I, my partner had his first experience the other day of not of uh, being somewhere with Molly and not being able to change her because the changing facilities were in the women's toilets. Mm. Um, actually, if you had much more men taking sole care 
of young babies, yeah. not just children, but young babies. I think, you know, places would have to get their act together on that sort of thing. And resource I think, better and yeah, prepare better. And I think classes and, yeah. would stop being mother and baby classes. They yeah. would be parent baby classes. Yeah. You know, I think it would just really help the whole setup to yeah. be a little less yeah. mother focused. Yeah, interesting. I've been running a few art sessions locally and we call them pens, paper, parents and it's about creativity oh, for parents. We've only had one dad come along yeah. and it would have been really nice dynamic to have some, More. yeah, so we'll see if that changes in the future yeah. and yeah. But I know you want to go to the next session, as yep. do I, so just for the benefit of listeners, the next session is damned if you do, damned if you don't. It is. It's focusing specifically around parenthood whereas I believe so. it's coming, filtering through conversations at WOW and earlier topics Definitely. but this panel is specifically focus on that what are you looking forward to in particular I don't know I um just to have a listen in really I uh sort of feel like I should go seeing as I've come with a baby um I have to say the women and mental health one was also on my list so um I but I think I'll yeah I'll go to this one and maybe just hear some thoughts maybe about what a little bit about what we've been discussing about how it could be made yeah more equal in a supportive way yeah, yeah. No, it'd be great to hear what they say. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll both learn something yeah, from absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for speaking to us, Bridget. Not a problem at all. And thank you for staying asleep, Lovely Molly. To meet you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She is here, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bridget. Cheers. So Mother of All Solutions, uh, we're still recording at the Southbank Centre for Women of the World. Um, just come out of the session, How to Be a Difficult Woman. I met a lovely woman, hopefully a little bit difficult as well, <laughs> sat next to me. And we're just going to speak to you about your experiences. So would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and ask yeah. some questions? My name is Susan O'Leary. I have one daughter, she'll be two soon, and I have another one on the way in about five months' time. I am a lecturer at Royal Holloway University. Oh, great. And so you're working full-time at the minute? What's I, your situation? Yeah, I ha I'm working full-time, but when I went back to work, I committed to working four days a week, a full-time job in four days a week, so compressed hours. Okay, so what's a typical day look like then? What's a compressed hours day? Yeah, um... It's, it's not much different to a normal day. I, I imagined it would be, but it's still the routine of a mother getting up, getting yeah. Emma up, who's my little girl, trying to get her out the door to nursery. Um, and then typically I try and leave because I do have to pick her up for nursery and then come home, do all the normal stuff at home, putting her to bed, giving her dinner, and then try and work another few hours in the evening. So the catch-up hours from typically a fifth day that yes. other people might do, you do in your evenings? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes. you don't get any downtime, basically, in a day? No, no. Okay, so how's that going? How's that working? Um, some days better than others. Mm. Um, sometimes nighttime goes better than others with yeah. my little girl. Um, sometimes you're just too exhausted to actually work in the evening um, so that doesn't happen or there are barriers in place in terms of the stuff that you can actually do in the evening because the nature of my job is quite you really have to be focused um, and just trying to be focused between half nine and 12 o'clock at night is, is difficult. It's yeah. not ideal. I couldn't do that. No. No, no, no. <laughs> it wouldn't be how my yeah. brain works. Yeah. And obviously you said, you introduced yourself by saying you're expecting number two. Yes. What are you thinking around that then? Are you starting to make plans? Are you starting yeah. to prepare? Yeah. Well, I suppose the... Um, the 
I don't know what you call it, the nice thing, but my first my little girl will be going to preschool. Okay. Nearly by the time I'm going back to work from my next maternity leave. So I'll have a little bit more flexibility in terms of being able to work five days a week, perhaps. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's it's hard to know. It's hard it to know course, how you're going to feel. I felt after going back after my first um, that I would just see how it goes. And it's been a year and I'm still doing that. Yeah. So it's just kind of every day at a time. And um, yeah, just I try not to let myself get too caught up on it if I get through the day relatively well with no major mishaps yeah. whether at work or home then I'm happy yeah. Um, but yeah I mean obviously in terms of productivity at work and getting stuff done it's not ideal yeah. but yeah it sounds like they were at least open to a flexible yeah. working request yeah. and yeah. even if that's readdressed yeah. once you've done your next maternity yeah, yeah. there's a conversation that you can have there yeah. I mean they are open to it um, the, I think the problem with this is that there is no consideration of how that might actually affect what they're asking you to do in the workplace. So it might be the same quantity of work in... Yes. Okay. Yeah, and okay. you would expect it to be the same quantity of work because you're, you're supposed to be working the same number of hours. Yeah. But um, I guess with a five-day week, you are, you know, you, you can take obviously it take longer to do it but also there you can build slack into your timetable whereas in four, within four days you just can't yeah so it's difficult so it's a different headspace to be in in terms of like yeah. a working methodology yeah. and like processing and yeah yeah Absolutely. okay yeah no it's interesting because I've known people who've gone down to four days mm. and I've known people who've done job shots lots of different yeah but that kind of four longer days and maintaining yeah. that's quite interesting yeah. to hear to hear yeah. your story yeah and just because we came out of the session yeah. how to be yeah. a difficult woman yeah yeah and um, just wonder if your thoughts anything particularly inspirational or anything that yeah. resonated with you or yeah. like I think Helen asked her panelists um to give an example of when <laughs> they've had to be difficult in their careers yeah, and I just wondered yeah. if you had a particular moment you could share um, yeah, actually, one does stand out. When I was on maternity leave, um, my uh, line manager approached me to do some work while I was on maternity leave because another person had, who was on maternity leave had agreed to do so. Um, I just said, no, no, I'm yeah. on maternity leave. I'm not doing it. And that kind of, I wouldn't say backfired, but I wasn't in the best books when I went back to work mm. then because this other woman had done it. Um, so when I went back to work then I was quite vocal in terms of, you know, it just wasn't appropriate that yes. you would approach either of us. And the other colleague was young, she's much younger than I am, perhaps a little bit naive. She said she hated doing it, but she felt she had to do it. So just I kicked up quite a bit of fuss about that when I got back to yeah. work. You stood, you stood your ground. I was a bit of a difficult woman, yeah. Oh, good, good. I mean, that's yeah. what, I think that's what they were getting at. You don't yeah. need to be like... A, a, well, a bit of a troublemaker, but yeah. just like being clear on what you're wanting yeah. and communicating that and yeah, yeah. making change when it's necessary yeah. to make change and not just accepting the status quo. Exactly. And yeah. And it kind of resonated with that session as well in terms of, you know, you need, you need to, as I said, I had that colleague who felt she had to do it. And I suppose that me being a bit older and being in the job longer, felt I kind of had a bit of a responsibility to, you know, say... Not to her, but to the establishment yeah. at my workplace. You know, that just wasn't wasn't something that should have been happening. So, mm. you know, 
Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been lovely to meet you, yeah, and thank you for taking the time to no speak problem. with us. Um, yeah, and I hope everything goes well with pregnancy and baby number two, and Great. maybe you'll get in touch and tell us. Yes, I will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So fantastically, I've just bumped into an old uni friend, Laura Kinnear. Um, I haven't seen Laura for a number of years. Um, I knew she had one child, but learned that she's got two daughters, six and four. Um, so it's been lovely to reflect on motherhood and work with Laura and find out what she's up to, because she's a, an important career change. But also it's been really nice to reflect on some of the sessions and hear her take on the seminars and um, how we all benefit from coming together and learning and listening in places like Women of the World Festival. So yeah, it'd be really nice, just Laura, if you could say a little bit about what you've um, what you've thought today, really. Uh, yes, I guess a, a fundamental of many things that we're talking about here at Women of the World today, which is don't be afraid. Uh, whatever you're feeling before you go off to have kids, while you're off um, looking after them, when you're returning, any of those issues or feelings are are they're not small issues. They're about how you function and, and they're all valid and there's so many people um, hopefully around you but are, that are available uh, for you to talk to about them because we all need to work together to ensure that this working mamahood uh, juggle is possible because it is. it is. Obviously we're here together at the Women of the Whale Festival and um, anything you've listened to so far or something that's kind of struck you in particular from this morning's sessions? Yeah I think whilst we're talking about different issues, whether it's um, domestic violence this morning at the opening ceremony or um, the one that I was just in which was about a, a woman parliament, um, there are some fundamentals that we keep going back to in every conversation and that is um, don't think that current situation is normal. Um, it's not normal that we don't have more diversity in parliament. It's not normal that one in four women uh, will suffer domestic violence in the UK. Mm. That's not okay. And yeah. I think uh, we're, it's hard to sometimes get out of the mindset that because it happens, um, it just happens and, and we somehow have to keep going. Mm. We don't. We've, we've really got to do something about that. We can make that change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Laura. It's been lovely speaking with you. I'm so glad I bumped into you here today at the Southbank Centre. So thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay, so Mother of All Solutions uh, podcast. Um, we've got the panel from Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't um, kindly offered to give us a few moments of their time after the panel. Um, you're one of the, the closing sessions, right? You had a good audience. Um, it was focusing around motherhood in particular, parenthood. Um, topics of work came up. It's fantastic for us as the podcast because we are focusing on stories from women as they navigate their return to work mainly after periods of maternity leave, but we've had people who've taken career breaks and gone back to work in different ways, following different periods of time out. Um, you started off by introducing yourselves in the panel, but for people who haven't obviously heard the panel and fresh, our listeners of the podcast, could we just go around and introduce who's on the panel rather than me doing it badly, if that's okay? <laughs> so can we go in the round, Owen? Yeah, so Tamela? I'm Hannah Pika. I'm Chief of Staff of the Women's Equality Party. I'm Sabina Atta, I'm a festival programme writer and editor. I'm Hiba Ward, anti-FGM activist. 
I'm Catherine Mayer. I'm a journalist and author and the co-founder of the Women's Equality Party Prima Donna Festival and on the founding committee of WOW. Hi, I'm Asil and I'm the head of comms for Pregnant and Screwed. Fantastic. So, yeah, just to summarise some of the discussion from the panel, um, there was a lot around childcare. Hannah, you focused a lot on that and that push for universal free childcare. Something that struck me is, I think that would be a great offer. I've got two kids myself. Um, I've had different paths with my career and how I've managed childcare. But I wondered if we could talk a little bit around, well, what would the childcare actually look like? Because actually most childcare providers don't make a lot of money. There's quite a mix in provision across the country. Um, and I thought I might be a little bit fresher to what you talked about in terms of the panel. Um, so just from your own experiences of using childcare, whether it's nurseries, childminders, friends who've looked after your kids, whether it's your partners or other relatives, like what do you think a good model of childcare would look like regardless of how much or how little it costs people? Who wants to go? Okay. Uh, I, I think we have made this beyond complicated in the UK. So I think we've, I think it was a deliberate political uh, uh, strategy to focus in on the quality uh, of childcare. Not that I think quality doesn't, it doesn't matter, but we've made it such, such a fixation. And the reason that happened is because childcare was expanded in the UK um, in order to tackle child poverty rather than in order to support women's uh, empowerment. Um, so the emphasis was very different. And so then we focused in on early years are the most important years of a child's life. And so it has to be really high quality childcare. And actually, my Icelandic friend always reminds me that what you really need is a room uh, that is safe with uh, some people who will love and be kind to your children. Um, and uh, absolutely, there are really appalling workforce issues across the childcare sector, which I think comes from not valuing it. So when you do value it, you'll start to see that that changes. Actually, the Women's Equality Party model is to move childcare nursery workers up to a primary school teacher salary within five years at the point yeah. that the policy breaks even. Um, but that also, um, there's a really interesting piece of work by the New Economics Foundation, which talks about, you said there's very great variation of provider across the UK. There actually isn't. You have a, a limited number, increasingly limited number of private sector providers monopolizing the childcare sector. Um, so it's being delivered and rolled out. And the profits of that uh, are not going to the childcare, the, no. the work, care workers, they're no. going to offshore accounts. Um, so I think we need to change the tapestry and it needs to be state run um, and or community led. That's fantastic insight. And yeah, I mean, I think from what I've seen from my kids' childcare, I can't imagine the workers there, however fantastic they are and however long hours they're putting in, actually getting paid particularly well for that. So as you say, the profits need to be put into the people that are valuing your kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Anybody else want to pick up on that? Sabina, I think you'd wanted to say something. <laughs> well, I mean, I am the childcare. In, I've, I've never used childcare outside of my family. Um, I've never been able to afford to. I can't afford to take maternity leave. I'm self-employed. So I am, I mean working myself to the bone to try and kind of just get by being a mum and navigating the workplace and childcare being done by me um, I think it's really it's really difficult to to know what universal childcare looks like because for me it seems like something so out of reach but something I definitely would like to be able to reach at um, yeah, I think it's really hard for someone who's working class to 
to be able to kind of answer those questions because childcare for me, it, it seems like a real middle class thing. <laughs> um, it feels like a luxury in yeah. some ways, does it? Yeah. Definitely. I, I've yeah, I've never been able to afford childcare and I couldn't see myself. Culture, it's all about the family members and your own family always helping out. And in my case, I did not have family members, but my husband and I always juggled. If I'm going somewhere, he will be there because he was a taxi driver, so he had a flexible time. So we made sure that if I'm not there, he's there. And if he's not there, I am there. So it worked like that. But when I went back to full-time working, it's quite different because they're coming from school. Sometimes I'm not there and he's not there. And we give them key to come home, but I'll be worried sick. Like, are they safe? Are they home? Are they this? Are they that? And I could not have, we could not afford the childcare after school. It's just ridiculous. Um, trust them, right? You've got to trust them. Yeah. Because you can't afford, to be honest, they are charging really so much and they are paying the staff that's working less. So it, it doesn't balance off and it doesn't, it doesn't work. And some of the workers there don't feel motivated to be nice, to be loving, to be caring because they're giving everything but they're giving less. So there's a lot of misconception and the things that are going on. So for me, I've never known about kids being taken, but I do know friends who struggle. Some of them, literally half of the salary goes to the childcare and it doesn't make sense. And uh, it's about- More than half for most people, yeah. 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 We need to change that in order women to go back to work and feel safe and feel secure. We need to change the way the childcare is, is programmed at the moment. I think it's programmed right now to derail any woman who wants to go back to job. And then you don't go to work, you're called like you're scam and you're scamming off the system. But then again, you want to get out of the system and you're not given the tools to do that. So it's again, damn if you don't, damn if you do. So it's, you, you, are, you are really, as a woman, you're just in the bottom of the pile of everything else that's going on. Yeah. And I don't want to focus too much on metrics because there was a lot of that in the panel, but Asil, do you have a good metric on these? No, I don't. <laughs> but I, I wanted to sort of, I completely agree. And we, we have, we're obsessed about professionalising everything and everything has to be academic. Everything has to be written down. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's sort of hilarious mm-hmm. that you ask for the metric. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I mean, I have a childminder and, and everyone always asks, like, oh, you know, but it's not a nursery. Is she getting good education? I'm like, um, I'm sorry, but my childminder is the best woman in the world, yeah. and she is so supportive of me, and she's so supportive of my kids, and she loves my kids. And you just need a room and and some love and a few toys, and that's it. Maybe not even toys; cardboard box will do. Um, so there is—I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all, and I don't think there's an easy solution. But let's not obsess about them meeting standards, them meeting, you know, different requirements. My childminder, the best woman in the world. When she had her Ofsted um, inspection, they said that she wasn't. And I was like, I just, I, I cannot understand. What else did you want from this woman? Mm. She loves my children. She looks after them. There is nothing else. And now she has this marked against her name, and it's pathetic. Mm. And let's look at what you have when you don't have the childcare provision that you should have. You have the struggles that Sabina's talked about, that Hebo's talked about. Hannah mentioned her Icelandic friend. It's a friend in common. That Icelandic friend moved back to Iceland when she got pregnant because she couldn't stay in this country. She could not afford to have a child here and live the kind of life or provide for her child as she would want to. Yeah, Yeah. I think, uh, sorry, I mean, just to talk about, you know, the, the childless perspective, is, is that 
actually, yeah, some, some women can't afford to have children. And, that, you know, we, we, we've just recently had a message from somebody who's going to have a termination tomorrow um, because she's looking at the numbers and the figures and she thinks that she can't do it. And I find that absolutely heartbreaking and it's, it it's embarrassing mm. that we have a country that is pushing women to terminate or not, and not plan a family because the numbers don't stack up. That's, mm. that's awful. Mm. No, it is heartbreaking to, to hear. And I'm sure you guys as Pregnant and Screwed get stories like that every day. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Ladies, you've taken up, well, I've taken up a lot of your time for this. You've been on the panel. Um, so just want to thank you and just ask if there was anything you felt that you didn't get asked from the audience that you want to be asked, and now I can ask it and pretend it was my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to labour the point is that we're not going to get anywhere without having conversations and honest conversations with our partners, with our friends, with our colleagues. Mm. That is only, I think, when we're going to see a solution. Great. And... Anyone who's enjoyed this discussion now with the panel, we've got episodes on shared parental leave, we've got an episode from a childminder, we've got an episode from a stay-at-home mum, and she was happy to be called that. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of range of stories that we've got on Mother of All Solutions. So I hope it resonates with you as the panel members and also with people who came today and people who will be listening now. So thank you for your time, everybody, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions. The Mother of All Solutions is produced and hosted by Laura Broderick and edited by me, Owen Wainhouse. Music for this episode is Night and Day by D. Yan Key, licensed under Creative Commons via the Free Music Archive.